Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Sonal. In sport management, we're often focused on engagement with those outside the organization, sport participants, spectators, audiences. But what about engagement with those inside the organization? Well, in this episode, we're going to consider engagement of staff in a sport for development context. And joining us to discuss this is someone who's published a great deal on issues relating to sport organizations and sport for development. He's Associate Professor in Sport Management at Louisiana State University. It's Pear Svensson. Welcome, Pear. Thanks, Vitor. Thanks. I'm glad to be on here and appreciate you having me here to discuss some of this research. Pear and co-authors Shinji Jung, Brad Shook, and Marcella Otto recently published Antecedents and Outcomes of Employee Engagement in Sport for Development. And Pear, there's been a significant amount of research in sport for development, and we've discussed uh, a great deal of that on this podcast. And of course, it's discussed in Sport Management Review. But perhaps there's been less so about employee engagement. So how did this study help our understanding of the area? Yeah, thanks, Peter. That's a good question that, you know, some people think of sport for development still in sport management. And to them, it might sound like, a, you know, that's a very new area of study. There's, I've seen a few articles, perhaps. That's really far from the case these days. There's a pretty robust body of literature and studies on sport for development within sport management. There's been an establishment of a number of these organizations around the world. And we've seen some tremendous improvements or advancements in terms of our understanding of you know, the strategies employed by the managers in these organizations and so forth. But the one area that's really been overlooked is in terms of employees. We know from some industry reports that, you know, these employees work in very difficult and challenging resource-constrained environments. There's a lot of pressures put on them. They, they report being very stressed. You know, they are very often very underpaid and, and operating in challenging circumstances. Yet we haven't really had any studies that looked at the employee experiences and what are some of those factors that drive and impact employees and how does that then in turn impact the organization because ultimately right if even if you're a resource constrained organization you're trying to make the most with what you got that's really in terms of this study what i think this helps with our understanding is it gives some empirical insight and, and brings in a new theoretical framework that can really help us understand this more holistic employee experience uh, there's been a lot of work in the broader management field and such. And we'll, we can talk about this a little later on, perhaps about employee engagement as a theoretical framework. But in sport management, it's really never really been looked at. There's a couple of mentions of employee engagement, but not really in relation to studying it, more in terms of you are engaged in what you do and that kind of expression. Um, there's been a couple of people that looked at volunteers and used some related constructs, such as work engagement and, and, and organizational engagement. But um, that's really what where I think this adds the most value in terms of beginning to address that knowledge gap of these employees. I mean, think of where we are now with, with the COVID-19 pandemic and such. You know, people have talked about that, not the Great Recession, but that now we're facing the Great Resignation, that we have all these people that have had some time at home reflect on what, what matters in life. You know, I'm so stressed and always worried about work and all these things. I'm trying to think of what's more meaningful for me. I'm looking for more meaningful opportunities, a purpose, in terms of what I do in my career. And the same thing applies in a nonprofit context in sport as well, including in the sport development space where we focused our study. Listening to you made me contemplate about my time in the sport organization and how stressed and overworked and underpaid I was as well. Now, from your perspective, I've lived that experience. How did you come to consider this an important research topic? Sports development is something I'm, I'm very passionate about and then having a lot of conversations with people in the field and leaders of 
various organizations from those that implement programs on the ground to those from the funding agencies that support them and some of the policymakers. I constantly hear and have discussions about you know, the difficulties that they face. And from those executive leaders are trying to do this amazing work on the ground, it's often discussed in terms of, we rely so heavily on these amazing people to carry out this difficult work. What we know from some, some of this prior sport management research has been done on sort of resource acquisitions and organizational capacity in the space that paid staff are of critical importance here. You know, you think of our typical community sport clubs in, in Canada or in Europe or in Australia or, or elsewhere, you know, you have access to, to different resources, right? You have a membership to, to depend on those kinds of things. These organizations don't have that. There's also oftentimes those different cultural barriers, right? You're in very underserved and under-resourced communities. Um, you can't just expect these people are gonna do it for free, right? So paid staff has been found to be very important. At the same time, time and time again, those leaders report that retain, recruiting and retaining and getting the most out of those amazing people is very difficult because of these challenging circumstances with the work that they do. And also obviously having limited resources, right? We, we can't pay you top dollar perhaps, so what do we do to get the most out of you? That's why we're really intrigued by this idea of you know, employee engagement. And in, in terms of thinking of how can we really capture this idea of you know, not just a single outcome, and we'll talk about this in a second perhaps, but how can we look at the more the broader holistic employee experience here and begin to um, tackle this gap that we have of finding ways that these organizations can better support the people that they have within them. And also in the, at the same time, get more out of those people to achieve a number of different positive organizational outcomes. So I guess when people think of employee engagement, which of course is your theoretical framework, they'll think of table tennis uh, tables in the workplace and uh, comfy cushions and, and, uh, and a break room and you know, the creative room or something ridiculous that we might see at Google. But what exactly is it? Like you mentioned, it's not just an outcome. What actually is the theory? Yeah, I think employee engagement is probably one of those terms that you know, people think, I probably know what that is. It sounds very common, right? I'm, I'm engaged in what I do in some way or form. And oftentimes it's so misunderstood that it's, it's not the outcome itself, as it's often portrayed to be. It's a very well-established, theoretically sound construct in the human resource development and management literatures. Yet, again, it's, it's barely been touched on here in, in terms of sport management. What it is, is you can think of it as sort of a psychological state of being. And it consists of three distinct dimensions. So without getting too technical, too theoretical here, you know, we have cognitive engagement, which essentially is the mental energy that you have and you're willing to invest in, in what you do as an employee and sort of the intensity of how much you invest that. You can think of this if you, you know, people talk about the flow or being, you know, mentally absorbed in the work because it's just, you know, it just means everything to them. Then you have the emotional engagement. So think of sort of your emotional or affective resources, investing those towards various organizational outcomes that you're, you're responsible for in your employee role. And these things aren't static. They're, they're constantly moving and, and, and changing. They're calibrated and recalibrated as employees go through their experiences. And then you have behavioral engagement. And this is perhaps what I need to clarify the most. It's not the actual observed behavior. Actual behavior you know, that we see is outside the scope of employee engagement. It's the intention to enact certain behavior, right? So it's, it's not actually going and handing in your letter of resignation or saying, 
you know, I'm going to go out and work, run really fast or do a really heavy lifting in terms of the front office. It's actually the intention to be able to work harder or do more and those kinds of things. So we're looking at the psychological state of being. Uh, and again, that cognitive, emotional and, and behavioral intention, so to speak, or engagement, they're sort of in this symbiotic relationship that they're separate, but they depend and influence each other. And they're constantly being reevaluated by us, even if we don't necessarily think that much about it as employees, as we go through our experiences at work or in the workplace. And that can then in turn impact a lot of different things in terms of, you know, are we satisfied with our job? How, what kind of performance are we delivering and so forth? So that's really where we came about with this framework. And to actually do the research, you, you surveyed 199 employees in sport for development across the USA. Why do you think that was a, a useful method for this study? We, we surveyed or tried to survey a lot more than that. I think we, we sent this out to over 1,200 employees in sport for development. And this is something that's a common challenge for those that have done any survey research in the sport for development space that, you know, there's no known, you know, go-to directory like we have with registered organizations, perhaps. The response rate could be low because we don't know how many of these organizations are, are still in existence, right? They, they operate on with slim margins in terms of resources and so forth. Perhaps the first question people would ask is, wait a minute, sport development is a very global field. Why are you focusing on just the United States? And, and that's a fair question. And I've done a number of studies globally with organizations across all the continents. And in my experience, those that tend to respond to any of the surveys tend to be the executive leaders of those organizations. We were obviously interested in, in getting different employees that serve in different roles and positions within organizations. In doing our sort of background research and digging through this, we determined very quickly that, you know, focusing just on the United States was made out of necessity for the sake that they by far had the most available contact information for people across different positions. So not just executive leaders, but, you know, we wanted to see people that were the volunteer manager, that if you work in fundraising or whatever else you might be working in, to have that readily available was a lot more common here. So certainly would love to do done this on a global level. But for now, we thought it was very important just to take that first step and begin to address and our understanding of really employee experiences in the sports development space. Access is always key in, in research, of course, and you need access to that, to that data set, of course. Um, and of for course, sure. another important aspect would be the survey design. How did you go about designing the survey? And then with the data, how did you go about analyzing it? Sure. So in, in terms of designing the survey or the study as a whole, we looked at this in two ways. Brad Schuck, who's a, a co-author on this, amazing person. He's a world-renowned expert on employee engagement in the broader management and human resource development space. And he's not just one that does a lot of research and gets cited all the time, which he does. He, he's also someone who gets invited as an expert by organizations to help them build their engagement of their employees to achieve better outcomes and so forth. So a lot of this stemmed from a lot of conversations with him in terms of, hey, I have two sort of requirements myself here for the study. One, I want to make sure that it's really relevant for the sport for development space or context. Two, I think it's important to look beyond sport development, sport management to also see what can we do to contribute to the broader discourse here and the broader body of knowledge? I know this has been very studied outside of sport management. So in talking to him, a lot of the discussion were, you know, what's really well studied? What do we know a lot less about? What's sort of cutting edge in your area of research? And in doing so, that's how we identified some of those outcomes and the sort of antecedents or preconditions of employee engagement. You know, if we think of, like I said, in sports for development, we know that retention is serious or critical challenge for a lot of organizations. So 
made a lot of sense for us to look at the idea of turnover intentions. And, and if, if employee engagement in a way could help impact turnover intentions. Same thing in terms of the fact that both in broader society, but especially in sports development, with all that stress that's put on and the pressures on these employees, their actual mental well-being is something that we haven't really talked much about, you know, anecdotally, perhaps that, yes, this is important, but we haven't really studied that. So that's not, for example, psychological well-being is something we started considering. And then obviously, in terms of antecedents, we know that employee engagement has been very well studied in the for-profit organization context. It turns out that hardly anyone's ever applied this anywhere in terms of nonprofit employees, which is why Brad, for example, was so motivated to get into this study and work on this. And this is why we started considering this idea of mission attachment to try and capture and account for some of those unique values that are inherent in the work that these organizations do compared to, you know, you go work for your financial firm or whatever else you're doing in a for-profit context. In doing that, a lot of those individual topics have been well studied on their own. Um, so it wasn't really that hard for us to find really reliable and, and well-established scales for measuring that in terms of the survey. But in terms of selecting, you know, a lot of people often ask me, how do you pick those variables or outcomes compared to all the other ones that are out there in terms of studying employees? Um, that's really the rationale behind it. What was important in the sports development space and also what's kind of pushing the boundaries in terms of the broader research on employee engagement. And I guess I, I didn't touch on your point there about analysis. In short, I'll just say, you know, without getting into the technical details, you know, we decided that structural equation modeling was the best way to analyze data for the, for the reason that we weren't interested in, in an individual variable. To, we didn't want, just want to look at motivation or just want to look at performance. The whole point of our research was to suggest that all of these combined, that employee engagement can play a critical central role here in tying all these things together. And in order to test, you know, all those relationships at once, that's what we thought structural equation modeling was the most uh, appropriate approach, which leads us to, you know, what's the, the key findings? I would say the biggest key finding here is the fact that it provides empirical support that employee engagement is a viable framework for understanding employee experiences in sport and in sport for development, and that employee engagement can perhaps serve as a critical role in the sense that it can connect a lot of those different topics and, and concepts that we often talk about, right? It could be overwhelming, especially if you think of, or if you have, you know, those listening that might be students, you read all these research and it's sort of, wow, there's are so many different studies on some people focused everything on commitment or everything on motivation or everything on satisfaction and so forth. How do you make sense of all those things? You know, from practitioner perspective, they often wanted that too, right? Like, where do I even begin? I think our article shows and the findings that employee engagement provides a starting point that can help make a little bit more sense of that in how it connects those things from, you know, the motivations of, of the people that come into organization and how that connects with some of those different outcomes through engagement. And you mentioned also how important it was to have that broader understanding, uh, that more theoretical uh, knowledge. How did this research and the, and the findings advance our understanding of the, of the theory? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I would look at this in two ways. One is that there's obviously been calls by colleagues for the theoretical advancements in sport for development research. And sport development has really evolved. And initially, you know, there were a lot of focus on this is really intriguing, right? Using sport for social change. A lot of program evaluations and such to just see, you know, does it actually work to use sport for social change? And then we've evolved to where we are now, where there's a lot of studies on all kinds of different aspects. In sport management, we're clearly focused on various organizational and managerial aspects. 
but in doing so, there's been a growing emphasis in recent years to recognize that, hey, we really haven't engaged that much with you know, theorizing of how organizations work in this space and so forth. So here, I think our, our work contributes directly to this, not only by extending you know, an, an important theory from the broader human resource development space, but also highlighting the fact that you know, there's been a lot of talk and, and it's been amazing work done in sport, sport management in general on human resource management. But I think our work suggests it might be time here to start pushing that towards looking at human resource development, right? How do we support and help these people grow rather than just manage them in the workplace? Um, and in doing so, I think our, from a theoretical perspective, this sort of lays the foundation in sports development and I'd argue perhaps even in, in nonprofit sport in general of these employees of some of these important relationships, right? In the sense that we find that the attachment to the mission or certain types of motivation significantly impacts your employee engagement levels. And the higher your employee engagement levels are, the more significant outcomes you see as an organization, right? That you people are happier or express a, a higher psychological well-being. Uh, they're less likely to, to leave their job or quit their job, right? They're, they are expressed at higher levels of performance and so forth. So from a theoretical standpoint, in that sense, I think that's where our framework contributes to theoretical advancements in sports development. And then real briefly in terms of how do we contribute, you know, theoretically to this theory of employee engagement, I'd say the main thing here is not obviously not just being one of the first to apply this in a nonprofit context in general, but really incorporating that idea of mission attachment and really highlighting the values ascribed to these employee experiences by the nature of the work that you do. That's something that really hasn't been accounted for before which makes sense, perhaps, if you think about it, right? That that's not necessarily what comes to mind when you think of, you know, a, a company on Wall Street or where you, wherever you might be, that, you know, there aren't that many key values I'm going to account for in my employee experiences here. There are other reasons why I work here, perhaps. But that's something that's become really important, obviously, in the nonprofit context. That's where I see one of our, our main theoretical contributions to the broader engagement theory. So maybe the, uh, the tagline can be, show me the mission, instead of show me the money. That is I like it. I, I think it might be terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you mentioned as well that it, it's so important to understand what to do from a practical sense for these organizations to improve employee engagement. So, Pat, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Let's say one of these organizations comes to you, I want to improve employee engagement. They need to feel like they're part of this. They need to, we, we need to get a, better in that aspect. What practical advice would you give them? Yeah, I think that's a fair question, because the way I, I approach this is, first of all, if any practitioner out there is reading this or talking about this, you know, their first question is always going to be, why should I care about this, right? Why should I care about employee engagement? I think it's pretty obvious that our research highlighted that there's significant statistical support to suggest this is important. So then you might say as a leader, okay, yes, I, I get it. I'm listening right now. It seems it's important. But like you said, Vitor, how do I then actually build or increase the employee engagement to get those benefits? Uh, and to answer that, a couple of things here. One is obviously we find how important the mission is. So, you know, in practice, what does that look like? That could be, you know, in terms of strategies of being very intentional with how you communicate with your employees on an ongoing basis, engaging in conversations with them and reminding them of, of the mission and highlighting to them how their work contributes to that mission and making those kind of uh, clear connections and, and the, the value orientation of their work, right? That's oftentimes maybe why people come into nonprofits, but if it's not emphasized and, and intentionally discussed and communicated, 
you could very easily drift away from that and sort of lose track of your true reason for why you came into this. So you should have just lose that interest, right? Because no one ever made those connections for you. Number two, you know, in terms of the motivation of these people. So obviously we found that, you know, intrinsic motivation is really associated with uh, higher levels of employee engagement, right? That you do this because, you know, it's really important to you. That makes sense to most people. And people before in sports development have talked about intrinsic motivation is important here in the humanitarian work, so to speak, done in sports development. But what we also found, and if you think of, you know, there's a lot of work that's not so exciting to do, right? It could be mundane, it could be time consuming, but it's very important. We find that that type of motivation, okay, if you can do that, because some people do it not necessarily for, you know, intrinsic motivation, but what's called identified regulation, which basically means you're doing something, you're motivated to do something because you believe in the actual value of that task. So it could be the most boring or, or challenging task, period. But you see the value that if I do this, this is how I'm going to help all these people in need, let's say. Which means if you then as a leader of these organizations are able to sort of recruit people that, that have some of these motivations or reasons for wanting to be there, people can do what seems like a mundane, boring task, and they can be highly engaged for a long period of time. That's something I think is very important to be able to do. Um, and sort of obviously in terms of recruiting, that goes to recruiting ideologically oriented employees as well, right? That, that really do believe in the mission that you have, uh, which tends to quite a bit, quite often be the case in sports development. But in short, I think that really points to the idea of meaningfulness in, in your work and in the purpose. And as leaders in sports development organizations, constantly being aware of that um, in terms of those motivations that are really important for maintaining high levels of employee engagement. I think this speaks to the idea of the potential for compassionate leadership, you know, and, and some of the traits of, of a compassionate leader really ties to emphasizing and supporting those employees and in, in their endeavors and, and their entire employee experience. And I think those are some, some concrete ways as to give a few examples of how leaders in practice can really help build and maintain higher levels of employee engagement. I think that's excellent advice and uh, I can understand how that works. If you explain to someone why it's important to do this ridiculously difficult and boring task from our perspective when, when you're doing it, then they're more likely to be motivated to do it. It makes so much sense. So excellent advice, Pat. It's been fantastic speaking about this topic and hopefully uh, people come and read your article, of course, that's going to help and, and uh, take some of this advice on board and, and hopefully we can see some improvements in, in the future. Yeah, thank you so much, Vitor. I appreciate have, having me on here. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. Head to the Sport Management Review website to check out all the latest research that's being published, including the article discussed in this episode, Antecedents and Outcomes of Employee Engagement in Sport for Development. That's it for this episode, but of course, there are many more you can listen to on your favorite podcast player. And if you could follow the podcast and give us a five-star rating, that'd be great too. Until next time, it's bye for now.